Welcome to Joy Field and Jesus Led. I'm your host, Tony Daniels, sharing real life stories and practical tools that not only let you know you're not alone, but also help you become the emotional, spiritual ninja warrior you were created to be. In this episode, I share with you a very intimate moment between myself and God that changed my life forever and has become what I call my abiding place. That is the place I return to in order to continuously sense how deeply God enjoys me and what God wants me to know about any given situation. Without this abiding place, I don't know how I would be able to live Jesus-led. Hope you enjoy. Hi there, Tony here. And today I want to talk to you about what I call my abiding place. Um, It turns out that as I train leaders all over the world, Christian leaders, 50 and up, people who've been in ministry their whole lives, uh, burn out probably most of them, and then coming back in a different way in the second half of life. Um, What I'm noticing is that many, many leaders do not sense God's presence with them on a regular basis. You know, in times of trauma or in, you know, very specific occasions, they might sense his leading um, guidance, his presence, but ongoing minute by minute every day, they, they don't necessarily have what I call an abiding place, a place where they can go in their mind and in their imagination to sense God with them um, immediately, to sense where he is um, in any given situation so that they can um, connect to him and sense his will, sense what he's doing and what he's saying. And I I realized that in order to be Jesus led as a people, I, it's absolutely important for me to be able to have that space. I don't know how I would be Jesus led without it. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible at all. I'm just saying that for me, there's no way I could be Jesus led without this abiding place that um, that he's created with me inside of my mind. So the more I've talked with our leaders, the more I thought maybe this is important to share. So today I am going to be vulnerable and I am going to share the moment where the most important abiding places were created in my mind and heart and soul and body. Um, just in case it's helpful for other people to see how this looks and what it how it works and what it looks like inside of my life, at least. I did write about this in Back to Joy um, in, in uh, one of the chapters. And so this is familiar probably to some of you who've read that book. Um, but here, here I go to talk about it uh, for the first time. So it happened in 2013. And I, I do want to say that, you know, up and uh, even before that, I mean, I had been connecting with Christ and God in my imagination in Emmanuel moments, as we call them now, uh, for many, many years. Um, and so it, it wasn't strange for me to see Jesus in my imagination or feel his presence with me. So years of having moments where um, I sensed his presence, his healing, um, you know, him reframing things for me, uh, bringing truth, correcting me, all of that. I had been encountering that in, in various ways 
up until this point, but this moment was really a, a game changer for me in my life. And I don't know why. I don't know. <laughs> All I know is that this is what's ha- what happened. And um, and I've ne- I've I really haven't been the same since then. Um, my life has been a more continual, interactive conversation with God, um, and really because of this experience that I had. So. It was 2013. I had a 13-year-old and a three-year-old and a two-year-old. And um, so my sleep was, um, for years, I had been lacking in sleep. Um, I did not have a regular quiet time because, as you can imagine, every bit of sleep I could get was important during those years. And um, But this morning was very weird because I woke up at four o'clock in the morning and I was awake and alert, which if you know me, that never happens ever, ever, ever. <laughs> it's 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 comical, honestly, because I'm not a morning person. But I woke up that morning and I, I felt awake and I felt alert. And I thought, well, I could just go back to sleep because I can do that. I have no problem sleeping. But I heard the words in my mind, come, come be with me. And I thought, this is so strange. Um, maybe this is God. Maybe. And I I just sensed this invitation and I said, okay, to the invitation, which I don't always do. So I'm just letting you know, I'm being perfectly honest. Sometimes um, I I go back to sleep instead. But this morning, for whatever reason, I got up and it, it had been years since that had happened to me. So I get up and I go to the living room where I could try to have some quiet time um, with Jesus and I decided to reflect on Isaiah 55 because it was an assignment in a, a study I was doing. Um, it was a Conexus study, if you know Conexus. It was a Thrive um, Conexus Life Model Work study called Forming that I was doing at the time. And that was the assignment, was to meditate on Isaiah 55. And so I decided to start with that. And I anchored in some appreciation memories and felt God with me. And I started reading. And as I started reading, an image came to my mind, and I just paid attention to the image. And it it ended up becoming an interactive story in my imagination. Um, and I went with it. I just played. It, it, you know, these moments are very much like play. Sometimes they could feel ridiculous or silly or unimportant. Um, It doesn't feel like the deep spiritual work of inductive Bible study, for example. Um, It really feels totally different. And it could be easily dismissed um, if I had not been trained to pay attention to God in this way. So I thankfully went with it and I continued to ask questions along the way to myself and to God. And during this time, a series of images and happenings occurred in my imagination, yes, but um, that really physically changed me and emotionally and spiritually forever. Um, And, you know, as I look back on it, I'm going to read the story in just a little bit how it unfolded. But as I look back on it, I think, you know, really, it seems like God was taking me or revealing almost every emotion, every, all of the big five or big six emotions that we go through the fear, hopeless despair, shame, anger, and grief, and and taking me to those and then bringing me back to joy, bringing me back to him, bringing me back to a place where 
I know he's glad to be with me no matter what I'm feeling. So it really feels like he was doing this in this story. And then after the story's over, the rest of my life, I anchor into any given image in this story to connect with him immediately when I'm in that emotion. And it's taken me years to realize that's what I'm doing. So <laughs> I, I think I just realized it yesterday, actually, that this is what this story has done for me. And this is how I'm responding to it uh, after all these years. I mean, almost 10 years, right, of living this story out. So um, here's the story. I'm going to read it because I think I, I just don't want to miss any of it, of how it unfolded. So the verse, again, was Isaiah 55. Um, it's paraphrased from, by me in this story. And, and the verse started out with, Hey, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. The image I got as soon as I read that, because I, I, I do ask myself, what does this look like, God? What does this look like to me? And so that's the question I use to, to the, that brings the images, right? So the image I got was, I see a girl running through the woods. She's running for survival, panicked, hot, and tired, bow and arrow strapped to her back. She seems somewhat desperate as she comes upon a clearing and a brook. Looking around to make sure there are no enemies, she cautiously moves to the water, throws down her weapons, falls to her knees, and drinks. As she drinks freely, she notices across the way, someone is selling food to people who have no money. This is strange, she reasons. This isn't even right. How can someone come by and eat when they have no money? What is she to pay with, if not money? Her soul? Her humility? Her need? Her desperate state? She's hesitant to trust. It looks like a scam, a trap. It seems way too good to be true. Verse 2, come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. She hears it again. She is tempted. She longs to be fed. She's so hungry, and she knows she will die without food. So at this point in this story, I I was seeing this unfold in my imagination. I wasn't, I didn't know it was me at the time, just saying, I just saw this girl and, um, you know, obviously I could feel her feelings and see her thoughts uh, or, or hear her thoughts. And, um, you know, she's, she's just desperately trying to figure this out. Like, who is this guy? What's he selling? But yet he's not asking for money, but I'm supposed to buy it. What am I supposed to use to buy it? <laughs> you can see her confusion and then you can see her distrust um, in, in all of this, right? How can she trust what is happening? She walks over, makes eye contact with the seller and tentatively takes the bread he's handing her. Before she realizes what is happening, she's backed away and is hunched over her food, ravaging it protectively like an animal her eyes staying focused on him. Is he for real? Can he be trusted? Her mind is searching for answers to explain what is happening. She examines his eyes for what seems like minutes. They seem tender. They seem real and sincere. He breaks the silence. 
Why do you spend your money on what is not bread and your labor for what does not satisfy? Verse 2. His question does not sound condemning, but compassionate and almost invitational. She begins to think about this. What have I spent my money on? What has made me so poor, yet running so hard? Memories flash into her mind of spending herself for the affection of others. She's worked hard to deserve being loved, only to still be in debt. She has spent herself trying to meet others' needs so that they will like her, so that she would like herself. She's only valuable if she can give, right? Or if she can succeed. Yet, she's so tired and hungry. She wants to receive. She wants to feel loved. She wants to feel valued just because she is. I go back to the scripture and read some more. Listen carefully to me, he says as she continues feasting. She's never had food so satisfying and water so refreshing. He has her attention, and she pauses from eating to listen. Verse 2, eat what is good and delight yourself, yourselves in rich food. He says this as he shows the abundance he has before him. She realizes for the first time she's not alone. Others have come as well to the table, tired and worn, but there's enough for all of them to eat. She looks around and hears him whisper to her, stop scraping for the scraps of acceptance and love, validation and worth that fall at others' feet. Instead, come. Pull up a chair and let me delight in you. My enjoying you is rich food, good and satisfying, and there is plenty to feast on. Sit down and have a meal. You are worth that and so much more to me. Once seated, the wine is poured and he begins again. Verse 3. Incline your ear to me and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it, for you shall go out with joy and you will be led forth in peace. And the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Verses 10 through 12. He can see that she does not quite understand what he's saying. And he begins again. Now that you are feasting on my love for you and my enjoyment of you and my deep affection for you and my validation of you, listen intently to me so that you will live, truly live. She's seated there. She's sitting there with him and 
in my imagination, you know, he is enjoying her deeply. She is undone. Uh, she's never understood this type of love before. And in my imagination, I'm feeling it. Um, and he's saying that, you know, right now, right now, you're in, you're letting me enjoy you, right? You're feeling this deep affection that I have for you. And then he continues. Once you're here feasting on my love for you, then I will speak to you words that will change you. They will be so profound, I guarantee they will transform your heart so that you will walk into your world with joy, knowing I'm so delighted to be with you no matter what, and I will lead you out in peace. Your thoughts will no longer be racing to and fro, trying to find the crumbs left over from others. No, you will go in peace, quieted knowing there is plenty here for you when you need it, knowing I am here waiting for you to come. At this moment, the third person story ends, and I fully embody that little girl in the image. And I I have the strong desire at this moment to bring all of the different facets of me to this abundant table that's been set before me. I'm all in. He He's earned my trust in this moment, and I decide to call on all of my wounded self to come. The little girl who lost her best friend at eight years old, come. The little sister who felt rejected at times, come. The little girl who didn't get to ride that roller coaster, <laughs> you come too. The little girl who felt neglected by her father at times, you come. The little girl who felt left out, come. And I could just sense these parts of me present, and I was calling them forth as I sensed them coming, right? The teenager who wanted to feel precious to someone, to anyone, come. The young missionary dying for recognition, you come. The young wife, chronically exhausted and unseen, come. The mother, empty and lonely, come. There is food, good food, rich food. So I'm almost calling all of myself, all of these different parts of me to come and feast. Feast on his attention toward you, on how much he longs to be with you. Enjoy. And then I start talking to Jesus, who I recognize now as, as our Messiah, in my imagination, I say, we're all here, Lord, I say, as I take inventory of all the wounded parts of me, and then I realize someone's missing. <laughs> Wait, there's, there's one more, I say. Come, beautiful woman, scared to death that the pressure will never end. Mad that God's not acting like you think he should and afraid that he will not give you what you need. Jesus, knowing my thoughts, leans in and responds to me. All you really need is joy and peace. My words whispered to you at my table as we eat together, as you let me enjoy you. Tony, let me enjoy you, he gently implores. He takes me in his arms, and I let him. 
and he carries me to the beach. The air's perfect, the sun is setting, and I nuzzle in and I rest. It's been a long time since I've slept safe and sound. We had a lot of attacks in Uruguay, a lot of house alarms going off, a lot of robberies. I um, had definitely encountered some trauma, and sleeping safely and soundly was a luxury. (laughs) And I was curled up in his arms as he carried me on the beach. And after what seemed like days, days of being carried there, he stops. He sets me down at an elegantly prepared table for two right there overlooking the ocean, sand beneath our feet, my favorite place. It has a white tablecloth and it's set for a meal. And I am thoroughly confused. He motions for me to sit and have a private dinner with him. I can't take my eyes off of him as he gently helps me into my seat and then he finds his own. He takes my hands in his and he looks at me intently. I feel a little embarrassed at first. I'm not used to receiving this much attention or to being seen. I know I don't deserve it, but it feels so honoring and so special. Yes, I finally break the silence out of pure discomfort. You are my precious, Tony. I have loved you since the moment time began. No, since before time began. I have waited for this day for so long. I'm confused. Could he really love me this much? So... Even though I'm on the couch in my house, probably at 4.30 in the morning by this time, I am deep in a movie unfolding in my imagination, in my mind, that's actually affecting my emotions, my body, my soul, my spirit, every part of me. And it is undoing me. Could he really love me this much? I hold his gaze testing his eyes for truth and flashes of him wooing me, loving me, protecting me, healing me over the course of my lifetime appear through my mind. All those Emmanuel moments that i had had already for 10, 15 years of moments of how he loved me. They, they just come and I hear him say, I have waited for this moment for thousands of years. He says, as he looks me in the eye, he kisses my cheek and then my forehead like a loving father would. Tears come. I just can't believe that I could be this important to him, this precious to him. I feel like I am truly meeting Jesus for the first time. I've sensed him so often, even seen him but something is different right now. He is creating a place for us to come and be together whenever I need him, a place to abide in with him. Come, he says, come come dance with me. He says this with a smile as he offers his hand. Dumbfounded, I accept his invitation. We move to the dry sand, and as we dance... 
I'm soothed. I'm quieted. My fears and my doubts drift to the background. Knowing my heart, he whispers in my ear, do you think I'm going to let you down? His question brings tears to my eyes as I'm reminded of my fears. I don't even know what to think anymore, Lord. I am so discouraged about the things that have happened in my life up until now. Trust me, he says. Trust this, he says, as he lifts our enveloped hands to my eyes, showing me our togetherness. I will take care of you, he promises emphatically. But what about our economic situation? And what about our missional business? What about our training center, San Geronimo? I ask. Leave it with me and trust me. He says again, and he twirls me around somewhat playfully. And this playfulness irritates me slightly because I still feel heavy. And then it occurs to me to look at his face. He's not feeling heavy at all. <laughs> what in the world, I think. You're not afraid, are you? I ask in disbelief. He's peaceful, he's calm, he's even playful in the midst of all that's going on. No, I'm not afraid, my love, he begins. I am working. There is so much going on here that you do not see. He drops his hands and breaks away excited to tell me all about it. I'm training, I'm building, I'm preparing, I'm opening hearts and minds. I am bringing my kingdom into this world through you all, and you don't even realize it. It is a battle, but it is already won. I'm breathless. I don't know what to think. He moves in close again and takes my hands and looks me in the eyes. Look to me in the midst of it, and you will see my peace. I am not afraid. I have already won. The fear goes, and we began to dance again, and my whole body tingles all over as I feel his cheek on mine, and I contemplate his words. I am satisfied and quieted. He whispers again in my ear, you are precious to me. I love you. I won't let anything hurt you. Trust me. No one can take my enjoying you away from you. I ponder these words. I know physically I have been attacked and I have been hurt, but he's promising me something, something powerful. I give myself fully to the dance, to him. I feel confident that he is with me. There is strength in the midst of my utter weakness, and I play, and I rest, and I trust. So that was the experience that happened that morning at 4 a.m. that changed my life forever. And what I've realized over the last 10 years is that whenever I am exhausted, um, just so feeling overwhelmed and overstretched, um, 
I can immediately go to the moment in this image where he's carrying me on the beach and I'm just in his arms, limp, literally sleeping in his arms. And I can live days um, <laughs> there in his arms. And I sense him saying, just let me carry you through this day. And because I'm there in his arms, I feel held and carried and strengthened. And even though I might be putting on a conference during those days or writing curriculum or coaching, um, I feel carried and held and restored. And, and I feel like I have a safe place to fall apart and be weak and not have to perform at all. I just get to rest. And sometimes I physically go rest too when he tells me to go to bed. <laughs> I physically do that. But when I can't physically do it, I can emotionally, spiritually, and mentally um, be there. And it, it does. It releases endorphins all over my body and gives me deep rest. So that's, that's one place I go constantly to connect with him. But then when I'm um, afraid or um, angry, um, even when I'm facilitating a meeting and someone triggers me, I go to the dance, the place where he touches my cheek with his cheek, my heart to his heart, and he calms my body and he soothes me immediately so that then I can hear the words he whispers to me um, uh, to guide me in those moments so that I don't hurt someone because of my anger or because of my fear. I don't ever want to act out of anger or fear. And so that image and that it's so very real to me that he's there in those moments and I can connect very quickly to him. And then when I am kind of ready to take on the world and um, do whatever he wants me to do, I, I go to him and, and I'm bowing before him in that image on the beach like a soldier waiting for orders. And whenever I need to connect with Jesus immediately to find out what do you want me to do right now? That's where I go. And I'm, I'm bowed before him and I'm awaiting his command. And I refuse to act until he speaks. Um, and then when I feel rejected uh, <laughs> and um, like I'm not good enough for others uh, or I'm being criticized by others or I'm being attacked, unjustly accused or misinterpreted, I go to the table the table that he prepared for me where he says, you know, I've been waiting for this moment for thousands of years. You have no idea how happy I am right now because you finally see me and you finally see how much I enjoy you and love you. Wow. That is powerful. And I can feel his joy over me and it helps, it helps bear, um, it helps bear whatever criticism is coming my way at the time. And then you know, when I don't understand what's happening in his church, in his body, maybe I don't understand the polarities that are happening in the world. Maybe I, I don't understand how people can follow Christ and, and believe some of the things they believe versus what I believe and how they see things differently. I go to that table at the beginning where he's inviting everyone to come and drink or come and eat. Um, you know, and and I don't understand what that looks like necessarily. And it's a humbling thing for me to look around at that table where there's enough for me and enough for everyone and to go, God, that's God's table. It's not mine. It's God's. And he can invite whoever he wants to to that table. And I might not understand what it looks like. There might be a Muslim there and I don't know how that fits. 
Um, but they they think they're, they're hearing God too. And I don't understand that reality, but I can look to Jesus to help me understand that reality. And I can I can still invite them to the table, right? Or any any person that's uniquely different from me um, who is coming to the table. I hope that helps um, just give an understanding of what that looks like for me to be Jesus-led. It, it's very visceral. It's an image-based um, relationship that I have with Jesus where I can feel him, see him, taste him, touch him. Um, and I, I am enjoyed deeply by him. And then I am encouraged, exhorted, corrected, um, guided, loved, calmed, soothed, <laughs> given rest whenever I need it. And it's all based out of this. He's so glad to be with me no matter what. Um, so I'm not saying that every every single person has to have this necessarily. I, I don't know how God does this for you. But I think that the more we can help each other understand how we are Jesus-led or how this works for me, the more fuller the body of Christ is going to be and and the more other people are going to be able to lean into a Jesus-led lifestyle, um, however that might look for them. I want to close with with just these words again from Isaiah 55. Hey, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Why do you spend your money on what's not bread and your labor for what does not satisfy you? Come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. Eat what's good. Listen to me carefully and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear to me and come to me and hear that your soul may live. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and don't return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word, my living word, my spoken word, my daily spoken word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led forth in peace and the mountains and the hills will break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. I think hearing God's word spoken over us is essential for this joy revolution. I don't think it's something he spoke once and was written in a Bible. I think it's something he speaks every minute of every day over us. And I pray that each person listening to this has an abiding place of some kind where they can feel his deep joy and pleasure over them. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Joy Fueled and Jesus Led. What does Christ abiding in you look like? Do you have a place where you can go in your imagination that instantaneously anchors 
your body, mind, and soul into God's deep affection for you and his perspective on your life. The book Back to Joy shares stories and resources that have helped me on this journey. The link will be in the show notes below. Luke 10 is a Christian leadership training organization. And if you would like help finding your own abiding place, please email community at lk10.com with abiding place in the subject line and someone from Luke 10 will contact you soon. Until next time.